Good morning. I'm glad you've joined me today. My name is Denae Richardson, and I thank you for including this podcast in your sacred ritual. Our sacred rituals of purposefully connecting our minds and our spirits with God, our creator. I am brought to you, to you today and every day by the promise of God in Ezekiel 17. And I'm so grateful for God's grace in my life. So today in our Christmas series, we're going to be talking about dum dum dum. King Herod. We're going to start reading through Matthew chapter 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So, if you have been studying the Bible for very long, you know that Herod is mentioned often in the New Testament. A few weeks ago, uh, our family was in Italy and in Rome, we went and seen the Pantheon and in huge letters across the top of the Pantheon is the name Agrippa. And in my ignorance, I said, oh my goodness, is this the Agrippa in scripture? And so we did some Googling and it was not. And when I was studying Herod, I um, became aware that Herod is mentioned a lot through the New Testament, but it is not the same Herod. And so just to spread the knowledge and help you better understand the word of God. I'm going to um, divide up these Herods for you. I say I'm going to, I guess I'm doing it in this podcast, but I'm giving credit to um, a man named Kenneth Birding at biola.eu, B-I-O-L-A.eu. And he just very concisely um, let us know who all these Herods are. So you have Herod the Great, who is the Herod we are going to be talking about. And then he had uh, four sons. So Herod the Great died about 4 BC. So one of Herod the Great's sons was Herod Arch. Archelaus, Archelaus, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he inherited half of his father's territory. So Herod the Great split the territory that he ruled among his four sons. And half of that territory went to the son Herod Archelaus. And you've got to remember that even though Herod the Great was a Jewish king. Rome was the actual government of Rome was the empire ruling everywhere they they stomped into 
Um, and so Rome was the actual government, but they allowed and appointed loyal governors, and that's who Herod the Great was. Um, and so his son, half of his territory was given to the son, and and then um, Herod Archelaus was replaced by a a Roman pro curator less than 10 years into his reign. And that's why Pontius Pilate was the man in charge at Jesus' crucifixion and not King Herod. Um, because there was so much uh, upheaval and skirmishes, you know, the, with um, patriots wanting to take back their country. So Rome sent in um the procreator, and that's why Pontius Pilate is there. So uh, after, or, or along with Herod Archelaus, was his brother, Herod Antipas. And this is who Jesus called the fox in, in Luke 13, 32. And he received a quarter of his father's territory. And that was from Galilee to Perea. And this is the same Herod that divorced his first wife and married Herodias and killed his brother. And this is Herod Antipas is the same Herod that killed John the Baptist. And it's the same Herod who, when Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to Herod, I don't know if you remember that story when we go back to Following the chronological story of Jesus, we will get there eventually. But Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to Herod as a part of Jesus' trial leading up to his crucifixion. And Herod Antipas is who is the correct Herod in this story. And um, a side note is that uh, Pontius Pilate and this particular Herod, Herod Antipas, became friends that day. Uh, what a terrible reason to become friends over Christ's trial. The third Herod that is mentioned in Scripture and is a third son of Herod that we're talking about, he is referred to as Herod Philip the Tetrarch. Philip, Herod, Philip the Tetrarch, he ruled from 4 BC until AD 34, and he received the remaining quarter of his father's territory, and he's mentioned in Luke chapter 3, verse 1. Then you have Herod Agrippa I, and he's the grandson of Herod the Great. He's the same Herod that put Peter in prison, Herod Agrippa. He put him, Peter, in prison in Acts 12, and he is the same Herod that is mentioned in Acts 12, 20 through 23 as being struck by an angel and eaten by worms. That's Herod Agrippa I. And then the last Herod that is mentioned in scripture, he is Herod Agrippa II, and he ruled from, ruled AD 50s until after the Jewish war. And this is who is referenced by Paul. Um, Paul told us that this particular Herod, Herod Agrippa II said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And that's in Acts 26, 28. 
But we are talking about the original Herod, and history refers to him as Herod the Great. And I will talk about why he was called the Great in a little while, in a moment here. But let's get back to Matthew chapter 2. So the wise men come into Jerusalem asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now this phrase, king of the Jews, triggered Herod, who was the king, because he saw somebody else. And these were foreigners. These were not Jewish people coming uh, and asking about the king of the Jews. These were foreign people. You'll have to listen to my podcast about the wise men. So when they come in saying, where is he born, king of the Jews? Herod takes offense to this. In verse 3, when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. He was troubled. Here's how I know Herod was of such a terrible mindset and in a terrible state spiritually. His reaction to being troubled is to turn to those who know the word of God. Verse 4 After he heard these things, his response was he gathered all the chief priests and scribes and demanded of them where Christ should be born. He knew this was a spiritual occurrence. He knew it was a spiritual occurrence or else he wouldn't have gone to the spiritual leaders who knew the word of God. These people were, the wise men were these innocent pursuers of this phenomena going on in the heavens. And they were innocently with a hungry heart to know this, what was causing this occurrence. They were innocently asking and Herod, (laughs) the weight of this almost makes me speechless. The weight of Herod's reaction blows my mind. You know, Here he was king, and he wanted to continue with his plans of being king. He was so determined to have his own way. And I have to point out that there were others who had a plan for their lives as well. Mary had a plan for her life. Joseph had a plan for his life as well. Joseph's plan was perhaps not on this grand scale that King Herod's was, but Joseph wanted to marry a woman who had never known a man, who 
he could marry her and know that his relationship with her was pure, that she was pure, that he was being accepted of her in a very pure way. And suddenly this woman that he was espoused to is pregnant and he is not trusting her pregnancy. He had every right to believe that she had betrayed him, that she had been with another man. He had a plan too. And it was to be with a woman that was purely with him, of him. Mary had a plan too. She wanted to marry a a, a man and not have rumors about her, not have rumors uh, about her reputation. And both Mary and Joseph surrendered those plans to the will of God and took the burden of the of those the plan of God took on the 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 inconveniences that people who who were going to say whatever they were going to say about Mary being of child before she came with Joseph they had a plan too but their reaction to God's plan was of surrender. Herod had a plan, and I get that he would feel threatened and that he would dislike it, but he chose a response that was completely the opposite of Mary's and Joseph's response to God interrupting their plan, their way. Oh, And the fact that Herod knew to go to those who knew the word of God, he knew this was of the Lord. He knew this was of the ancient of times. He knew it. My goodness. So he, in verse four, he, he finds out what, the prophecies say about the Messiah coming. And they said unto him in verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written of the prophet. He had enough confidence in the word of God to study it, to go to those who had knowledge of the word of God, but he chose not to obey it and to get in sync with the word of God. It's so important that we are not hearers only. It is so important that we are not hearers only. When we are hearers only and not doers of the word, when we only access the word of God when it is convenient for us, the outcome is destructive. We become paranoid. We put ourselves in the spiritual alignment of Satan when we are only hearers of the word and not doers. We end up hurting ourselves, our own peace of mind. We're going to see that. We're going to see that as we continue to look at Herod. 
Herod does something so terrible in verse 7. He calls the wise men privately. He specifically calls them aside privately and inquires of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he files that information away. And he then gives them the word they're looking for. They're saying, where is the one that's supposed to be born, king of the Jews? And he tells them, go to Bethlehem, verse 8. He sends them to Bethlehem and says, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. This man was completely aligned with Satan's need to kill Christ. Satan knew back in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, the prophecy was put forth that there was going to be a son born who would crush the head of the serpent. And Satan continually killed the righteous men that he saw rise up among God's people. And Herod aligned himself with that evil. History calls this Herod that we read about here in and as a part of the birth of Christ. History calls him Herod the Great. So Herod was a Roman-appointed king of Judea. And this Herod was a brilliant man. He built many fortresses. As you know, the, the Roman Empire was famous for their aqueducts. They could bring flowing water into cities. When you visit these ancient cities that still have uh, preserved these 2,000-year-old remnants of how their homes were set up with running water. This is, it, it's remarkable. And Herod was a part of that. He built these aqueducts. Herod built theaters that people would flock to by the thousands to enjoy. And, and he constructed other public buildings that, that raised the prosperity of his land. And there is no secular writing that talks about him killing babies two years old and younger. But there is many writings, many secular records of this Herod killing both old and young. He... On a whim, he was a paranoid man, and no doubt, because he gave himself over to the spirit of Satan, he was a paranoid man. He killed multiple wives 
of himself, his own wives. Josephus, who, who is a historian, records that he not only killed large parts of his own family, but he arrested large numbers of the most prominent citizens. And he arrested these citizens with orders for their execution upon his own death. So that when he died, there would be mourning at his own death. They weren't mourning him. There was just mourning. He just wanted to ensure that there would be large numbers of people mourning in general. And, and he had enough sense to know they wouldn't be mourning him because he was nuts. And so he made sure there was mourning by killing their citizens. Now, this guy, this lunatic, of course, he we have no trouble believing that he would kill babies two years old and under in a place called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was was barely a blip on the map. It was such a small village. It had a population of, of about 300 back in Christ's day. So in the grand scheme of things, When Matthew 2 records, we're going to read it in just a moment, but when Matthew chapter 2 records that Herod killed all the boys ages 2 and under, unfortunately, in such an obscure place, it wouldn't have made headlines. We're not talking about a, a, a... a country that had freedom of speech, freedom of the press that we know today, and the convenience of, of, of immediately spread of news like we have today, it, it would not have occurred. And when you think logistically, among 300 people, if the population was 300, how many babies ages two and under would there have even been? I know in the congregation, when when I was uh, pregnant with my first child, the congregation was about 300 members. There were six of us pregnant at the same time, and that was considered a big number, that six women would be pregnant at the same time. And then uh, when I was pregnant with my second child, there were about 14 of us pregnant at the same time. And that just helps us understand that if you're looking at a village with a population of 300, we're not talking about Herod killing hundreds of babies. And so I'm not surprised that it's not in secular writings is is the point I'm trying to get at. I'm not surprised that History does not record however many babies there were 
ages two and under that were boys that he killed. It might not have been recorded in secular works, but it was absolutely recorded in Matthew chapter 2. Verse 12, we find the wise men being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. I encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast about the wise men. It's much more encouraging than this one. Verse 13, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so when Joseph woke up, he took the young child and his mother by night. They didn't even wait for the day. They didn't They didn't risk traveling in the day. And hear my podcast about Joseph. I, I was so just in love with Joseph for his protection. But then verse 16 of Matthew 2, then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, he, by the way, he wasn't mocked by the wise men. God mocked Herod because God's plan was going to be fulfilled, whether Herod liked it or not. When Herod saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. (sighs) He... just did the unspeakable and he killed those children two years old and under. I'm going to tell you, you know, I record these podcasts as my live devotion. Um, This is the first time I've recognized that it says children and not boys. It says children. So he killed those girls as well. Uh, I am surprised it says children because the wise men were particularly asking about king of the Jews, which would be a male. But this is why it's important to um, study the word of God. And it also says Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof. So um, the coasts would not have included a heavy population either. Um, I have looked into that already. And, uh, yeah, just go back and listen to that um, podcast about the wise men to talk just to see uh, about why he chose two years and younger. So the secular history may record Herod as being the great. He was a great big evil, destructive, tormented man. The only thing great about Herod was 
his evil paranoia. And as we close this very solemn podcast today, you know, we are using these real humans who weren't trying to be popular uh characters in a nativity story they were just living their lives they were uh doing the best that they could and their choices whether they were good choices or bad choices were recorded for us to learn from and make our own choices and so i ask us to check ourselves and ask ourselves the question, what are we doing with the plan of God? Because we get to choose which side of history we're going to be on. We get to choose which side of the plan we're going to be on. And I say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, if I've got faith enough to believe God exists, I've got to know where does that idea come from that God exists. And then I, if God exists, I've got to learn about him. How am I going to learn about this God? And the answer is from the Bible. And I need, I'm better, I must understand that this God has an expectation of behavior from me. Where do I learn about his expectations? What does he want from me? I learn about these expectations from the word of God. And in the same way that Herod knew who to go to, what source to go to to find out spiritual things. I better not be Herod enough to believe the word of God just enough to be self-righteous. I better know the word of God predicts the outcome of me insisting on my own path. The, The book of Judges, if you've ever read it, it is awful. It's painful. It's disgusting. It's got a lot of famous stories in it. That's where we find the story of Samson. We find the story of of Deborah. But man, there's a lot of bad choices that that people make. They they hear from God. They hear from God enough to to free and deliver uh their their own people from the bondage and captivity of others. But they don't really know God. And when you read the book of Judges, you need to understand that people are making choices with just enough knowledge that they, that they, they get God's involvement, but they don't know how to please God. That's what you see over and over in the book of Judges. And the reason is found in in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. In those days, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Everybody's just living by, I feel like this is right. 
Well, I feel like this is my truth. My truth is this. Well, my truth is this. So I, therefore, because this is my truth, I get to conduct myself like this. I get to rise up like this. Well, somebody else over here is, well, my truth is different from your truth. So therefore, I get to conduct myself and call righteous something else than you call righteous. Read the book of Judges and see what kind of civilization that creates. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Proverbs 21.2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Everybody, every person in their own eyes, they, they say, well, I'm making these choices because this is my situation, so I get to do it this way. <laughs> every man, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord is really the final judge. The word of God, the word God has preserved is what is going to judge us in the end. This Herod way of doing things is painfully destructive. It's destructive to our personal peace of mind We deal with so much anxiety and frustration because every man is right in his own eyes. And bringing ourselves into the unity and surrender, surrender to the way of God. Mary brought her plan to a point of surrender to a completely different plan. Joseph brought his own plans. He was going to put Mary away because that was the right way in his own eyes. His situation, his truth dictated that it was best to put Mary away. But God had a conversation with Joseph and, and, and said, surrender your way to me because I've got something going on. Avoid, avoid Herod's way. Avoid doing things like Herod. Seek the Lord. Seek God's word. Not just to, to look for ways to, to approve of yourself, but seek for the word of God. Seek the word of God to figure out how to surrender what you feel is the right way. Seek the word of God to find out how do I get in sync with my fellow man because God's way always calls us to that. God's way always causes us and calls us to surrender and submit to Do the hard thing. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it. God bless.